Welcome to Two Therapists Talking. The hope for this podcast is to talk about important issues related to couples and individuals who are struggling in their lives with many different issues. I'm David Thompson, a marriage and family therapist. And I'm Sherry Christensen, marriage and family therapist. Please join us as we explore these issues together, and we hope you will learn and be enlightened along the way. Come find us at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast. Hi, and welcome back to Two Therapists Talking. I'm David. And I'm Sherry. We are following up with our second episode now about victimhood. Yeah. And the idea here is so that we can come out of it through an awareness of it, not only for ourselves possibly, but for others. But really mostly, I think when we approach this, the idea is for yourself. Right. And just to learn about characteristics that may be present in your life that you're not that you're in denial of necessarily but just not thinking much about and how that really impacts our mood and how we feel yeah and especially hope and faith in the future yeah and I think it's really important too to recognize as with most things that we talk about this is on a scale yeah right you can have someone that is super far down the scale and that is non-functional in every area of their life because they're seeing themselves as, um, as a victim in every aspect. And then on the other end, right, you can right next to not being a victim at all in any area of your life, you know, you might have a few tendencies toward this in one area or, you know, as you go through that scale, you know, they're, you might have more or less and in different areas of your life you might be doing really well in other areas you might really be struggling with this concept and so it's I just always love the opportunity to shine a light on some of these things and look and consider you know in our own lives okay where where are we at and what can we do right what can we do because we want to have a better quality of life right and Everybody, again, you know, it is a scale, but also everybody at times goes in and out. It's much Mm -hmm. like depression or anxiety. We all feel depression and anxiety at certain times. Um, Sometimes we get stuck in it a little bit longer, but certainly in terms of what we do with sexual addiction and betrayal trauma, victimhood on either side can show up and often does. Yeah. And so I thought it would be really helpful if we spent some time on it. Yeah. So if you haven't heard the episode right before this one, please do because we set it up a lot. Really important. It's a really important precursor to what we're going to talk about today, Um, and the different the different things that you will notice if you might be falling into victimhood. But it's really important again to just recognize that this can be a hard space, and it's hard to yes, you've been. Vict- every one of us has been victimized in different ways at different right. times, right? Right. And the the idea is we don't want to get stuck being right. a victim because it's giving away our power Yeah. Um, and can lead to all kinds of problems, depression and anxiety and yep. inability to move forward. And, and that's why in the previous episode we wanted to tread lightly because... Mm-hmm. You are a victim legitimately. We sure. just don't want you to get stuck in victimhood. 
Yes. And that's the difference. And so we're not trying to minimize some really hard experiences or what's happened to you. Exactly. We want to empower you to go beyond that, which, you know, the good news here is most of the time we're victims. It's the result of someone else's choices. It's out of our control. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's us. Often it's not. But this victimhood concept coming out of victimhood is completely within your control. Yes. And so that is the goal. Yeah. And you might have heard victimhood or you might have heard victim stance, victim mentality, victim syndrome, victim complex. A lot of these terms get yeah. bandied about. I or mean, none of them are. Yes. Yeah. Learned helplessness. Yes. Um, none of them are in the DSM in terms of a diagnosed condition. And so that's, I think, where you get all of right. these different variations, yep. people's own own take on them but it's kind of a popular thing now to say you're being a victim i think yes. it's becoming more i mean a lot of things now are popular huh we just finished it's our series on narcissism so <laughs> super popular yes don't be a victim that's something that i, I probably even heard my kids using that i have to right. chuckle like where'd you hear that yeah and i don't i don't love it when we throw that out at other people yeah right because really that's only something that that we we need to take the opportunity to look inside ourselves, and if we're throwing it if we're throwing it out, and I think that's why this can have this like fear based stigma around right. it, or like well, definitely. people go it's into a a good traumatic spaces. Yeah, yeah, people go into traumatic spaces around it because they're like, oh, something has happened to me, and now somebody's telling me, yeah. well, just stop being a victim, like or a martyr. Yes, or a martyr. Like yeah. it puts people in a very defensive and protective space because there are things that need to be defended and protected we shouldn't be just kind of throwing that around but at the same time it's also critical for each of us to examine where am i at in all of these different areas of my life am i falling into this mentality because especially if you've gone through something hard for a really long time or you just get knocked down over and over and over and over again Right. Even if you're a super optimistic person, you can get to the point where you just start feeling helpless and hopeless. Yep. You know, and I have definitely felt helpless and hopeless in various aspects and times Mm -hmm. in my life after getting knocked down, you know, a million times. And you you really have to work hard to stay out of that victimhood space and to not give your power away in those times. Right. So, so we, we want to cover characteristics of yes. victimhood um, for the purpose of helping you to recognize how much or to what level this may be affecting you in your life. And that's it. And so for information, these usually characterize victimhood pretty good. And again, you're going to know if this is a lot or a little, if you're going to do an honest assessment, consider your life, consider your attitudes, your beliefs as we go through this, um, because it, it can be a way of life or it can be just a natural rhythm that you're in because of what's happening to you. Mm-hmm. And so we leave it to you to... Yeah, or even in one little area of your life. Right. Yeah. I don't know if we discussed last time the kind of a definition of victimhood. I don't think we did. Um, but it's kind of the belief system that things, bad things are happening and they're going to keep happening, that other people or circumstances are to blame and that won't ever change. 
that anything that you do to try to fix things or create change, that's just going to fail. So there's no point in trying. Right. Um, that kind of a thing. Yeah, which is tough. Um, and we've all been there. And so as we go through some other common characteristics of someone, if they're caught in victimhood, um, there's some common themes. So sometimes what will happen is we come, I'll say we. Right, since we all end up there <laughs> at different times. They, we and don't want anyone Places, yeah. yes. So when we're in victimhood, we may come to believe in our own moral superiority. Yeah. And I'll see this a lot where it's almost, you know, a defensive mechanism where uh, I'm right, I know, you can't tell me. And it makes it very difficult to work through things, to consider things, to give ideas or input or feedback. Yeah, you can't really work in a partnership when you have sort of that moral superiority place. And, like and it's I, all your fault. I'm the one that didn't do anything. Yeah, and this is probably in here, but um, often in betrayal trauma, I'll see kind of a righteous indignation which mm -hmm. is very similar to a moral superiority where because you did X, I can show up in this kind of superior, angry, telling you what to do, controlling way, right. which makes sense considering what's happened and, right. and how everything you thought has been turned upside down. But it actually comes back to make it harder for you. Yes, because again, anytime that we're controlling someone else that's not a healthy space right and, controlling and we'll or continue. manipulating our environment or other people to do yep. what we want them to do so that we can feel okay that's going to cause some problems and we don't want to justify why we should be uh, as angry or controlling as we might want to be so that's going to be a really tough place to be is well you did this therefore and so part of this process is, is it really serving you or is it just a matter of it, it feels better in the moment? And so. Right. Yeah. So anytime that you're kind of trying to get them back um, or they deserve this behavior, this treatment, um, then we know there's going to be some problems there. Right. Yep. That's going to be a control controlling, manipulative, vindictive space. And anytime we're in that, that's a problem. That's us making unhealthy choices ourselves. Because we can choose truly, no matter what anyone else does to us. And you see this in, you know, if you go back to concentration camp, you know, survivors and different things like that. Like, you, you truly can still respect someone who's treating you really poorly. Yeah. Um, you can do that. Like, that is an... an a, a healthy way to be right like it doesn't mean that you don't have anger it doesn't mean you don't have boundaries it doesn't mean you don't have consequences for behavior and how they're then allowed to interact like with you how much you interact how much space there is but you can still treat them with some respect even if your boundary is i can't interact with you at all right, right? you don't have to be you know throwing axes at their house or whatever <laughs> yeah so so it's a pretty common you know if you're in victimhood it it would be common to be constantly frustrated or annoyed angry kind of like you don't come out of it 
like it's not a mood thing. You right. kind of stay there, and it kind of starts to become sort of just how you interact or how you view the world, almost yeah. like a lens through which you're viewing everything, which festers is going to be really tough. Yeah. So. Yeah, we also, when we're in victimhood, have a hard time accepting responsibility. So you just have to take everything that's going wrong and just put it on someone else or right. the other person, right? You can't accept any responsibility yourself um, for anything that's going on. Which makes it really, really hard to grow, to figure things out, to solve problems. To have relationships. To have relationships, yep. Yeah. It's also common to believe that... I, now we're talking them again, I guess, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's common that they, this is speaking to all of us at times. Right. They may believe that they're innocent and did nothing to deserve it. They didn't contribute in any way to the harm that's happened. And so, yeah. I mean, we all have relationships, right? Where as we go through this, you think, oh yeah, I have a friend or I have a person where they always mm -hmm. see everything that happens as happening to them. But from our position, we can see how they contributed. We can see how they maybe weren't asking for it necessarily, but it's right. a pattern that repeats a lot where, well, you're showing up this way, but then everybody, it's everybody's fault and everybody's mistreating yes, you and yes. you are innocent and didn't deserve any of it. I think parenthood, we see this a lot yeah, <laughs> right? with, the definitely. Kids, with the kids and they're like just tormenting a sibling and then the sibling lashes out. <laughs> But it's all their fault because they did all the things and yep. they lashed out at me and they hurt me. And it's like, but did you see how you were like poking them? <laughs> nope, nope. For like an hour and a half and they just yeah. couldn't take it anymore. Yeah, that's so funny. Yep. <laughs> but, and, and this one's tricky because if you're looking at things, um, you know, there are times when you didn't do anything. Right. Right? Yep. Um, like... You know, if I'm thinking about like my accident and I'm just biking through an intersection with the right Not of way. Not breaking the law. <laughs> yep. With, I was, it was my turn to go and then getting hit, right? Like I didn't do anything in that situation. Right. Um, so there are times, and I, I do know like a lot of times, you know, people come into um, therapy for betrayal, trauma, and sex addiction, and they'll say, you know, and the wife will say, well, or the husband or the, the partner, right, of the addict will say, I literally had no idea this was happening. Great. Yes. You know, there are absolutely cases like that. Yeah. And there are cases where they know and whatever, but as you go through the healing process, it will be important to stay out of victimhood in terms of your healing so even if you didn't know, right, you didn't have any idea that this was going on, as you move into healing relationship and healing yourself, you'll want to be very careful not to get into this victimhood space because it will prevent you from looking at relationship as a whole right. and looking at yourself as a whole and what can I do differently that is going to enhance my quality of life, right? And the quality of this relationship. Um, because, and you know, we say this a lot, but I think when it comes to these types of things, we forget it very easily. That when we're looking at addiction, that's like the surface, right? And 
it's all the stuff underneath the patterns and the different things that have developed underneath that are what's going to move someone out of um, acting out and into a long-term place of sobriety. Right. Right. And all those underlying patterns are things that, yes, that individual has developed over many years, oftentimes well before relationship has happened. But also, as you're in relationship, there are things that you do together, right? Where maybe you didn't hold boundaries because you thought that the only way to maintain relationship or um, to, to love them, I'm doing that in air quotes here, to love them would be to just say, okay, it's fine, it doesn't matter, you'll overcompensate for this poor behavior, mm-hmm. right? That is absolutely something that you're contributing to, right? right? And so it's important that we don't just focus, well, you know, I didn't have anything to do with this, so therefore I have no part in any <laughs> negative part in our entire relationship. And when it comes time to receive some feedback and input from the addict about what, in fact, was hard about the relationship, yeah, they don't receive it. If, if you're in victimhood, you, you're not going to hear it. Yes, because it doesn't pretty, matter because you right. did this. Yep. And so therefore... This is the trump card, and right. so therefore I have no part. But again, remember, acting out is one level, one layer of these, all of these things happening in relationship. And if you want to heal the relationship and you want to heal yourselves at a deep core, you've got to be willing to examine some of these hard things. Right. right? Um, and I usually say boundaries, like when we talk about this as an example, but there's going to be lots of other things, but Mm -hmm. you know, we talk about boundaries a lot because that one is one that I think most people can recognize. Oh yes. Okay. Well, I wasn't holding strong boundaries, but you know, this is, is it's a part of this whole thing. It's a part of relationship. We can't just look at, like, okay, well, I didn't know that you were doing this one thing. Therefore, I now don't have any contributing factors in our entire relationship. Right. And maybe don't even have any role in your recovery because that's just for you to figure out. Yeah. Um, Which is sad because recovery, hopefully, is also reconciliation and healing. Um, But if you're in victimhood, it won't feel like... Actually, we're going to talk more about this, but it doesn't feel like it's your problem to fix. Yes. So you're not doing your own recovery. That's a really big one. Yeah. And and guess what? If you get run over by a car, right? Like in my situation, get run over by a car. That was 100% not my fault. But I have to do all of that recovery work. Right. It's It's required for me to be a functional human being, right? I would not... I wouldn't be able to walk. I would be, you know, I would be paralyzed if I didn't. If you did get, nothing. Yeah, if I did nothing. Yeah. I would be paralyzed, right? I would have all kinds of, of problems still, right? And I, so I had to go and get that healing work done. I had to go get surgeries. I had to go get um, tons and tons of therapy, right, to fix all of these different physical things. Same thing. Yeah. Just because something happened to you does not mean that you have no responsibility to do your own healing work yourself and also healing work in the relationship. 
and and being in victimhood nobody else can do this work for you right and so nobody's paying for it by you remaining in victimhood you know the person who hits you right isn't like paying for it because yeah, you refuse they're not to having build. all of these negative consequences because <laughs> right. i don't get my body fixed it just damages me yep yeah. which you know so we're, we're kind of talking about this it's not for them to fix you know, you have a hard time with solutions or seeking possible solutions. Um, and these are very interrelated. But one of the biggest ones that, you know, I want to talk about for sure with victimhood is a lack of empathy. Mm-hmm. And so this is really common. And you can kind of see why based yep. on what we're saying. Yeah, and it makes sense. Often there's sort of a two wrongs make a right mentality where you hurt me and I'm going to do this thing in return, shut down, give up, be controlling. But that's not any better, really, than what happened. Right. And so two wrongs don't make a right. This is what we hear growing up constantly, probably. Yes. My mom said it a lot anyway. (laughs) Um, So victimhood shuts down your ability to empathize and take their perspective and stay out of judgment. Yeah. And communicate your emotions and hear their emotions. And that's probably single-handedly in my mind, maybe the biggest issue with victimhood right there. Yeah. Yeah, this is a really interesting space. So, in fact, one of my uh, clients sent me something from the recovery literature and the Essanon program. And I just loved it because I think it fits really, really well with this. So, again, this is us and non-recovery. So this is for people who have been harmed by the sexual misconduct of other people, right? So spouses, um, family members, right? So, again, I think this really speaks well to that victimhood space. It says, We may find deep resentment inside for the sexaholic and all we have been through. However, as we look at our own resentful behavior... We begin to see that resentment isn't any better than lusting. It's just a different defect of character. This is, I know this is really hard to hear, right? This is very hard to hear, but it's I just... It's right in line with what we're talking about. It's though. right in line with what we're talking about because, again, it's giving your power away. It's keeping you from healthy relationships and a healthy self. So, um, so continuing on, it says, Our own personality defects have contributed to the instability of our relationships and the chaos of our homes. Some common symptoms of our emotional insecurity are worry, anger, self-pity, and depression. We are still ultimately responsible for the way we respond to others, even if it seems that others cause these emotions inside of us. To take an accurate inventory it helps us to take into considerations all the relationships that have caused recurring conflicts. We may ask ourselves questions similar to, to these. Looking into the past and present, what sexual relationship situations have caused me angerness, anxiety, excuse me, bitterness, or pain? Looking at each situation fairly, can I see where I have been at least partially responsible due either to my reaction or my participation if I am disturbed by the behavior of others, why do I lack the ability to detach with compassion? Mm. Answering these kinds of questions can disclose the source of our discomfort. Really Isn't good. that powerful? That perfectly fits. So I just I think that that's really powerful, and I think it helps us to kind of look at, okay, and I know that's specifically related to betrayal trauma, 
right? And there's lots of other ways that we're, we can be victims in our lives, right? right. Um, but recognizing that nothing that someone else does necessarily makes us, it gives us the, the right to then act in resentful ways to um, treat others um, in disrespectful ways. Right. That's, again, that's very different than setting strong boundaries, like, I really cannot interact with you anymore because of the way that you abuse me when we are interacting. Right. Right. So, again, I think sometimes we confuse that and think that, oh, gosh, if I, you know, have, if I have to treat someone with respect, that means I have to let them walk on me. <laughs> means I have to right. interact in all of these ways that don't feel comfortable or safe to me. No. But it doesn't mean that we're acting out of anger or resentment or vindictiveness or any of those things. We can, as this uh, quote is talking about, detach with compassion. In other words, we're not getting stuck in what they've done to us, which goes back to the circles idea or buckets concept from the last session. Yes. Your life is still your life. The yes. worst thing they can do is hurt the relationship. Mm-hmm. They can't wreck you. You were somebody long before you ever knew their name. So, mm-hmm. so that's the idea. And hopefully this gives you, you know, some awareness of maybe I'm in it. Maybe I've been in it for a long time. If not, you know, don't worry about it. But we all know somebody who is. And so we're going to continue with the costs of being in victimhood. And right, then next time. Yeah. ultimately, you know, what we do. So join us next time for that. Hopefully this was helpful. Thank you for listening to Two Therapists Talking. We look forward to sharing more conversations with you. Connect with us at twotherapisttalking.com or email podcast at twotherapisttalking.com. If you like what you're hearing, please get on and rate us and subscribe to the podcast.